Hello, we are back here again at Full Time with Meg Linehan. You are listening to a podcast all about women's soccer on the Athletic Podcast Network. I am Meg, your host. I am a staff writer at The Athletic covering, you guessed it, women's soccer, the NWSL, and the U.S. Women's National Team. Now, I am very, very excited about today's episode, which is tied to some NWSL breaking news here on this Thursday that I worked on with my my fellow writer at The Athletic, Chris Kamrani. Now, if you are a regular listener, you have definitely already heard Chris on this show as we worked through our reporting on Utah Royals FC and then the team's relocation to Kansas City during this past offseason. But today, it is all good news, though, as global tennis star Naomi Osaka has announced that she is joining the ownership group of the NWSL's North Carolina Courage. And Chris and I have the story for you up at The Athletic, featuring her thoughts on her investment, along with Courage owner Steve Malik and NWSL commissioner Lisa Baird. Now, if you have not read our story yet, there is a link in the show notes to make it super easy for you, but I highly recommend seeing what Naomi Osaka has to say about why she made this decision. Now, first, just as a reminder, you can subscribe to The Athletic to read all of our women's soccer coverage and everything else we have to offer. If you start your new subscription at theathletic.com slash full-time, it is just $3.99 a month right now, and that subscription shows your direct support of our women's soccer coverage. That's theathletic.com slash full-time. Now, I am not trying to jinx myself here, but we did enjoy a somewhat quiet week on the news front. And since this episode is heavily focused on the big news of the day, I just want to have one thing here for our usual news rundown before we actually get to the meat of the episode. So on Wednesday, we got a few new dates on the end of this whole schedule front, not the whole thing, but a few new dates. And the news that the NWSL Challenge Cup will take place in teams' home markets that's been approved by the league's medical task force. The Challenge Cup will kick off on April 9th, and the regular season will kick off on May 15th. Now, as expected, the league will not take a break for the Olympic tournament. The NWSL regular season, with 24 matches per team, will conclude on October 30th before the playoffs start up in November. And remember, that is an expanded playoff field with six teams making the playoffs. One other key new date in the mix here, the NWSL said that the expansion draft for both Angel City and Sacramento is scheduled for December 16th. And yes, still no true official communication out of Sacramento on their NWSL expansion efforts beyond some quotes in local media. So stay tuned on that front. Okay, Chris Camarani back on the pod once again, because once again, we got to work together on a story. Let's get right to it. Okay, so Chris, we got to work together again, which is always fun. And this was a much more pleasant story (laughs) than what we have worked on together in the past. Um, Right. So before we even get started, let's actually break down the news for people who might not have seen the article yet, though. Obviously, we do have a big story up uh, this morning, Thursday, on The Athletic about a very exciting NWSL development. Chris, why don't you give us the, the big hits from this one? Yeah, so uh, global sports phenom uh, Naomi Osaka is investing in the NWSL, and she is now a partial owner of the North Carolina Courage. And this came about uh, pretty quickly, I think, all things considered, uh, throughout the last few months. And uh, to no surprise, it kind of was born out after uh, Angel City's ownership group was unveiled and uh, the connections that Naomi has being partially based in LA part-time, uh, 
with the likes of Serena Williams and lots of other, you know, powerful women in sports and in Hollywood, uh, it just seemed like a, not a natural progression for her, but it was something that she told us she always wanted to do. And she, once she saw that news, she reached out and got the ball rolling herself. Right. Okay. So let's take a step back. I mean, I, I have watched Naomi Osaka play at the U S open. That is like one of my all time favorite sporting events. Like one of the real joys of living in New York city is now I get to go to the U S open. It is a, a whole day kind of experience, but I have seen her actually at her first U S open on the lower courts. And then in the very, very large yeah, <laughs> facility, yeah, right? Like I've kind court, of seen, yeah. you know, the, the journey that she's gone on over the past few years via the U S open. Can you give folks who might not necessarily be as familiar as her tennis career as, you know, we do obviously yeah. have another big owner in Serena Williams, right? But what is, what kind of trajectory, what kind of place is Naomi Osaka in in the tennis world right now? Yeah, so when it comes to tennis, it's one of those sports where everybody in its fan group is obsessed with the next big thing from a male and female perspective. And Naomi was the teenager that burst onto the scene that was a very impressive, composed, uh, powerful player who was immediately competing against the the most renowned names in the sport. And now at 23, she's a, a three-time Grand Slam singles champion. She won the, the 2020 U.S. Open last year, and she is on her way to eventually overtaking Serena as the overall consensus number one player in the world. Um, obviously, Serena still has a say in the matter, and 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 they're they're actually, um, I think by the time this podcast will have been posted, they they are playing in an exhibition match against one another in Australia as they get ready for the Australian Open that starts in a couple of weeks. But but Naomi is considered to be uh, the the passing of the baton in, in in tennis is ongoing, and Naomi is going to be that next central figure for the sport for many years to come. Right. Okay. So. We we had the chance to work at, on the story like well before obviously you know this is going to be the big news of the day I think within the NWSL world um when you hit me up on Slack to be like hey I have an NWSL story obviously like I did not know what I was what I was about to read but first of all I think just in terms of scope this is going to be a huge huge story but I think also the the other big part of this that I think is so exciting is that we are starting to see younger people start to get invested in the NWSL, younger athletes, right? So there's a number of things I want to discuss with you, but one of, you know, so so we were working with on questions for Naomi Osaka, and we kind of came up with this one about how young she is comparatively, right? Compared to right. other investors in professional teams. And the way that we phrased the question was maybe not the best. And I was hoping that you could. It maybe was my <laughs> question. It was my question. I'll, I'll, I'll take the L. So basically, the question that we phrased to Naomi was what we've seen in sports in the last few years, especially in soccer, whether it be in the States or abroad, is you're seeing really high profile athletes get involved at the investment level with, with clubs. And the way I phrased it was we're seeing um, more young people. And to Naomi's point, and she kind of put me in my place here, the folks that we're seeing investing are all either in their early to mid thirties, folks like Serena, LeBron James, Kevin Durant, and she even dropped, you know, David Beckham, who is 
one of the main owners at Inner Miami, who's now in his 40s. Naomi's only 23 years old. So I, I think it, it was a poorly worded question, but she also understood what we were going for in that her involvement in growing the sport here was necessary. And it's just another step in terms of diversifying what ownership looks like, not only in the NWSL, but American sports across the globe or across the, across the board. Right. I think what is so fascinating to me is just looking at, you know, what, what her points were, right. In terms of why she wanted to do this, she had a lot, a lot of thought went into this. Right. And I think that's been one of the things that we have heard from. We also spoke to North Carolina, the primary investor, Steve Malik, right. Who has been with the team since it moved from Western New York, to North Carolina, who brought the team there, and then also NWSL Commissioner Lisa Baird. And I, I think like such a theme was just she is extremely prepared about how she's she's getting into this, about what her thoughts are, about what her priorities are. And, you know, I think what her answer on that question to us was like, well, why not me and why not now? Right? Like, what is right. holding me back? And it's really there's nothing, obviously, but there is kind of this sense of Maybe, you know, 23-year-old athletes are not necessarily generally thinking about, okay, how do I invest in something and how do I build something outside of my own sport? That's not something that we have necessarily seen at her age before. Yeah, and not to mention a multiracial woman who, I mean, is going to start to show people that not every sports owner across the globe is an older white man. Yeah. And that's just the, the realm that we exist in at the moment. And as to your point, she and she told us this, she is already laying the groundwork for what her post-playing career days will be like. So I think it's safe to say that her getting involved with the NWSL and the courage is probably just the first step to probably getting involved with other sports, other other endeavors off the court that she's only going to kind of expand her reach and her portfolio when it comes to sports. Right. Okay. So one of the other big themes that I thought was really striking is she kept talking about her voice and her value, right? Like what she can bring. And, you know, like with the disclaimer that she was very upfront about is tennis is the number one priority, which completely understandable for Naomi Osaka. Yes, we get that. But also her point is, okay, but I'm not on the court 24 hours a day, right? I've got to do other things. I want to, I want to keep busy. I want to start making my mark. I want to use my voice and what I can bring to make other things better. And, I, I think that there's such an interesting opportunity here in terms of NWSL has obviously gotten a lot more attention, and I, I do want to dive into this Angel City connection a little bit more, but the fact that Naomi Osaka views the NWSL as a good and interesting platform for her voice, and specifically the North Carolina courage, Yeah, what did you make of that? Yeah, I mean, I think that we talked about this when we were piecing this, you know, the early parts of the story together. And I think for the both of us, we were intrigued on how a um, a superstar like Naomi Osaka ends up with the courage as opposed to some of the other clubs in the league that are more, um, you know, located in more uh, diverse urban areas compared to Cary, North Carolina. And, you know, when you talk to, you know, Steve and, and Lisa, they kind of laid the groundwork for what it was like. And they, Naomi said, what would you guys suggest for us from her and her agent's perspective? And they gave her multiple clubs to talk to. And I think the interesting part of this whole thing was, you know, Naomi probably could have gotten involved with the likes of, 
you know, the rain or I'm just speculating here or Portland. Whereas like she looked at North Carolina and she told us this and she saw their, you know, their history with, you know, being successful on the field and off the field and being able to, you know, reel in young women when it comes to expanding the sport with their, you know, their youth footprint in North Carolina, those things matter to her. Mm -hmm. And that's not to say other clubs don't do that, but it was interesting to have her tell us that that was one of, if not the most important facet of this whole thing. Right. I mean, it, it really did seem like there were so many different points of alignment just in terms of that youth footprint, in terms of that um, connection that she made, I think, with both Steve Malik and the organization as a whole. And then also the fact that, and we're going to get into this at, at much greater length, but their commitment to diversity, inclusion, and, and equity, but also I think the social justice part of it. I definitely want to get into her activism as well. But first, I want to take a step back. The other really interesting thing, and we've spoken about this, obviously a connection to Serena Williams, of course, for Naomi Osaka. But Angel City has been really interesting. And from my point of view for the NWSL side of this, right, is as we're like, let's take a step back and, and think about the last time you were on the show with the Utah to Kansas City move, right? Right. So much discussion about... We have all of these investors in Angel City. Why aren't they going to other markets potentially? But also the Angel City connection of owner Karen Nortman, right? Being the one who's talking to Angie Long in Kansas City and right. Kansas City being the market that eventually comes in. There are so many roads <laughs> traced yeah. back to what is happening in Los Angeles. And one of the specific things that Naomi Osaka talked about is seeing a tweet from Alexis Ohanian. And what's yep. funny is she said a single tweet and then I ran the search to, because like I was trying to figure out which one because Alexis has tweeted multiple times about how he thinks the NWSL is one of the most undervalued leagues right. in the country. Yep. But what what do you think like we are now starting to see this inflection point that I think a lot of us did expect for the NWSL but there's something there's a lot of specific points between Naomi Osaka investing in North Carolina back to Angel City. Yeah. Well, and I think to your point, the the layers to this conversation go pretty deep. And I think from an outsider's perspective, you look at what the league was dealing with a few years ago when they had kind of this, you know, quote, angel investor in Deloitte Hansen come into the league and essentially keep it afloat. We saw what happened with the Utah Royals in such a short amount of time to have the league be able to flex importantly and differently to a specific group of people that needed to get more involved. I think that speaks to the growth and the evolution of this league. I really do. And to your point about angel city, NWSL needed, and I know other fans of other clubs don't want to hear this, but they needed somebody to come in and change the game from, from a top down perspective. And that's what they did. And if you're going to have this ripple effect the way they have with having an Aomi Osaka join the league ownership ranks just a couple of months later, imagine what's going to come after this. You know, that's something that we haven't even really discussed is you can speculate that after you have the likes of Serena and Candace Parker and Julie Foudy and Natalie Portman and Jessica Chastain on and on, and then you have a Naomi Osaka, what happens after she joins? I think you're going to see so many more doors open for people who want to further invest in this league and help it along. Right. And I, I wanted to also bring up the fact that, you know, we specifically said 
are you watching the U.S. women's national team's equal pay fight, right? Because tennis obviously has such a history here. And what's funny is Naomi Osaka points to another Angel City owner mm-hmm. now in Billie Jean King, right? But also Venus Williams and saying, yeah, of course I'm paying attention. Like maybe we're a little further along in this in this thing, but that's been such kind of this foundational part to Angel City's formation, right? That's where a lot of folks really started paying attention and shifting from the U.S. national team to the NWSL. But I do think it's going to be very interesting to watch this influence of folks like Naomi Osaka, Serena Williams, Billie Jean King, Candace Parker, to your point, a whole bunch of former U.S. women's national team players in the mix. You know, players like Abby Wambach, right, who have never been shy about sharing their opinions about kind of this fight for greater quality for women's sports. And to have this kind of new generation, right, this next generation, which which is something that Lisa Baer talked about, of seeing Naomi Osaka as kind of this new generation of owners coming into the league. You know, we talk a lot about Yes, the diversity of ownership beyond just having rich white men involved. But there is now, I think, a different viewpoint and a different line of thinking in terms of what is the role of an owner in the growth of the NWSL that is something that I think is going to change, to your point. You know, we're we're thinking about who could be stepping in next, right? And like, granted, like last summer, you know, we had that that fun article on The Athletic being like Taylor Swift by an NWSL team in Nashville, right? But like, the sky's the limit, it feels like to me at this point. Yeah, well, and the other thing that we haven't really touched on is the fact that somebody like Naomi Osaka could help North Carolina from a player's perspective. Like players overseas know who Naomi Osaka is. And let's not forget that Naomi Osaka is the highest paid female athlete in the history of the world. She made $37 million from the summer of 2019 to 2020. So like if you're from looking at it from a very micro perspective, just having that clout of saying, wow, one of my owners is Naomi Osaka. Maybe players are more willing to sign and come to NWSL and want to sign for the courage. That's another part of this conversation that that is part of you know the the layer once you peel everything back. Right. I th- I, th- I think for you know for so long it was like you looked at owners and they were like they signed my paychecks and I play, and that's still the case largely. But at the end of the day, like if you're able to really change the game by being able to get your foot in the doors where maybe before you weren't by just having somebody as high profile and as active as a Naomi Osaka that behooves you as an organization going forward. Right. All right. So let's, let's start thinking about, okay, yes, this obviously means something for the North Carolina courage for the NWSL again, Steve Malik and Lisa Baird being involved in this article and, and giving their perspective. And I think, you know, in my discussion with Lisa, a lot of she wants to put the focus on North Carolina courage because this is truly a win for them. But also at the same time, Steve Malik is out here saying, yeah, obviously good for the courage. No one is going to debate that. But it is good for the league, right? As as we're discussing, like there are much larger implications. But as for North Carolina, in addition to this player point of view that yeah. you're talking about, right? I also think about the players that are there already in terms of mm-hmm. now having her as this kind of potential resource as as both from the activism point of view, but also from the marketing point of view, right? Like, I mean, 
sign me up for a conversation right now between Lynn Williams and Naomi Osaka. Like sure. just, yeah. I'm ready. Just give yeah. me that content well, right I'm now. Sure, I'm sure Lynn, <laughs> I'm sure a lot of those, those, those players want that too. Once they find out or if they haven't already, like right. that, that goes, that speaks to the, the, uh, the varying layers of this conversation is you're going to, let's just operate under the assumption that everybody at North Carolina is stoked that they play for the courage. You're only going to get them that much more stoked because of this move. Right. And I think that speaks to what we were talking about earlier is if you can get more people like Naomi Osaka involved at different clubs, then that, that web is only going to widen, so to speak. Right. So the other part of this and, and something that a few folks brought up, right. In terms of that marketing side, right? In terms of having, obviously, Nomi Osaka is a global superstar in the way that NWSL has started trying to figure out its international audience. It streams all of its games internationally on Twitch, right? Like there, there are mechanisms to reach those international audiences. At the same time, Nomi Osaka is obviously in a completely different class, right, at the moment. But I thought right. one of the things that was very interesting that folks kept bringing up is, hey, she's also a Nike athlete. Yep. Hey, you know, she just had this this whole exclusive run of merchandise with her own brand via Nike, which I can vouch. I immediately went out and bought something from Naomi Osaka's launch yeah. on Nike. Like yeah. that was right. a thing that I, I paid attention to. And this is this is something that's really fascinating to me as someone who has been kind of obsessed with the culture of women's soccer in mm. terms of making it more appealing to full-grown adults who have their own spending money, right? Who who want to buy things, but also wear certain things, like that sort of. Yeah. Naomi Osaka is a is a brand new game here, as far as I'm concerned. Well, she's a brand. Yeah. She's her own brand. I mean, if you're talking about the most famous people in the world, she's in the conversation, regardless of what she does for a living. And you know, like you mentioned, her Nike line launched in November, and you know, there were taglines that seemed fitting. You know, one of them was called uh, breaking the mold. One of them, the other one was called the future is in the air. So like here is a, a, you know, star professional athlete that has taken her future into her own hands. And that will only help to your point, expand the marketing footprint of NWSL and specifically the courage probably in a very short amount of time. And I think that's the other part of this, too, is North Carolina has enjoyed, I think, greater international attention. And a lot of that is because the NWSL has done extremely well in Brazil and North Carolina Courage has, I would say, arguably one of the best three players, at least in the league in Dabinia. Right. And kind of right. like the future of the Brazil women's national team. Um, and I think that it's really interesting about thinking that the, that the NWSL now, especially considering there's been a lot of angst, and I'm sure you have seen both that angst and then my frustration with it in terms of, you know, NWSL, there, there's a few handful of players going to Europe, right? Katerina Macario signing mm -hmm. with Lyon. There is context, and there absolutely, I think, are warning signs. But in terms of NWSL, from a business point of view, I do think that generally this league is walking into 2021, and I would say arguably the strongest position it's ever been at from a business point of view between media rights deals, sponsorships, new ownership, expansion, so on, so on, so on. 
And so that's where it's interesting that you can see this ambition. It's not even you can see the ambition. Everyone is out here saying this is our ambition. Yeah. And it's such no. a different world than 2013 when this league was like, make it to year three and survive. <laughs> yeah, no, it's true. And not to mention, I mean, I think we we can't talk about entering into 2021 considering the choppy waters that the league had to maneuver in the tail end of 2020 uh, with, with Utah Royals. I mean, the fact that they were able to, I mean, for folks here in Utah, that that wound will never heal until a club comes back. And I understand that. But the fact that you didn't have to completely dissolve a team, that you could comfortably relocate it to a place that you believe can function well, and then you get Angel City into the fold, and then you get Naomi Osaka into the fold, to your point, it's trending in the right direction. And I and I and again, I keep hammering this point home. I'm fascinated to see who's next because I think that, that will not only help with the long-term financial viability of the league, but and you can correct me if I'm wrong, like if you get so many more star people involved, would that not be more tantalizing to a lot of these star athletes who are going overseas to potentially say, like, hmm, maybe I don't need to go play at Manchester United or I don't need to go play at Lyon. Right, right. Yeah. It's obviously, you know, there's a lot of pieces to making it. And I think in some of the conversations I've had with folks kind of across the league, one of the really interesting ways is not necessarily worrying about if the NWL is the best league in the world, because I think there's always going to be arguments about that. The question becomes is, can you make the NWL the destination of choice? Because I think that's a very different concept than saying we're the best league in the world, we're the best league in the world. It's, are you an attractive destination for players? And once you have attracted them, can you keep them? playing in the US. And that's, again, a very different question about <laughs> are yeah. we the best league in the world? And I think ultimately making the NWL the league of choice for players sure. is a much bigger priority for the league at this point than actually worrying about are we the best compared to WSL, you know, right. et cetera, et cetera, which right. I think are, you know, NWL still very much has the edge on parity and and quality of play, right? But then the question becomes, okay, facilities, all of these other things that factor into a player's decision. So yeah. that's a that's a whole other podcast. <laughs> so what what I want to riff off of in addition to, you know, what this means for the card, what this means for the NWSL, what's what I found really interesting is obviously there's a lot of ambition from the card side, from the league side, but there's also very clear ambition in terms of you know, what Naomi Osaka has planned for this. And one of one of the things that really struck me is as we're as we're talking with her in terms of, okay, you know, what does your, you know, did did you want to invest in women's sports first and foremost? And she said yes. Like above all other opportunities, yes. That's where I think my voice will have the most impact. But the two people that she mentioned in terms of looking to, you know, leadership or impact. Serena Williams, of course, but the other one is Kamala Harris. Mm -hmm. And I think that that shows the scope that she's thinking at in terms of what representation can do, but also what having that voice can do. And I'm, are, were you as struck by that as I was? Yeah, I was. And I think as an outsider, having followed Naomi's path, it has been interesting to see the stories that started when she was 
the teenage phenom. She was, you know, viewed and she said it herself as a very shy, introverted person that only really wanted to play tennis. And what you saw out of everything that transpired in 2020, um, she kind of burst through that cocoon, so to speak. And, you know, we saw her take it upon herself to further the conversation as a biracial star athlete to have things of focus come into play for a lot of people who might not understand why she's using her platform. I mean, we can't forget she won the, she won the 2020 U S open. She did so by showing up every single day and having a name on a different mask. She had the name of Breonna Taylor, Elijah McClain, George Floyd, Philando Castile, Ahmaud Arbery, Trayvon Martin, and Tamir Rice. And these were all young black people who were killed at the hands of the police. She, and she said this, after one of her press conferences at the U.S. Open last year, she said she wanted to be a, ve a vessel for social justice reform. And so to hear her talk about the likes of Serena and to hear her talk about the likes of Kamala Harris, that just goes to show how high she's aiming. And, and that's a great thing because that's what's needed in this country and specifically in sport. Right. And I think the NWSL is in such an interesting point right at the moment because I think there has been a lot of tension of NWSL having very good intentions of, yes, we are going to allow our players to have this platform, right? And we are going to, to have statements and we are, we are going to try to do the work. And what we have seen so far from an NWSL point of view is um, the fact that we're still kind of in the good intentions phase and we, have, we haven't quite reached even the good talk phase and the good plans phase is still like a ways off. Like the work still really needs to be done. And I've actually, I've had a conversation with Lynn Williams um, just in, in terms of like, NWSL needs to do better. Like there are some basic things that can happen at a league level that is going to only enhance the support of both its black players and its black supporters. And both of those and, and also staff, right? Like there are a yeah. lot of different groups here that, that the league needs to consider in how it is both welcoming them and also ensuring their safety. Because that was another major takeaway of, you know, the round table that I did with U.S. national team players of, do you feel safe when you walk into an NWSL stadium to play a game? And then the immediate question back was, do you mean physical or mental safety? Because right. yes to one and no to another. And so I think there's still really some fundamental work that has to happen. But then we're also hearing from Naomi Osaka that there was real alignment in terms of how she approaches this work and how North Carolina approaches this work. And I think North Carolina has shown, and they have not always gotten it perfectly right, right? Like, but North Carolina gets this team in the middle of HB2 happening, right? And Steve Malik, which does not make it into this article, but he was just saying it was it was both wrong and stupid, right? And we have we have a role to play in this community to fight against things like that. And the every you know, obviously North Carolina had its own situation with Jalen Daniels allowing 700 Club to film at the facility, but I mean, when you kind of look at the greater picture, I think fundamentally they have shown. They're mostly getting it right. There are major missteps, but like no one's, I don't think anyone is expecting perfection, but I think people are expecting accountability, transparency, and the commitment. And so that's yeah. where I think 
the growth here for the NWSL and having voices like a lot of the, the people at Angel City come into this league, and particularly Naomi Osaka, I mean, one of the things that we had been discussing is that she's not going to have patience maybe for sure. if things are not at a certain level. Right. Yeah. No, I, I think as much as uh, leagues and teams want to own talking points and always be on the same page, I do think having the, the type of voice that Naomi Osaka has, the reach that she has will matter way more so in the long term. It's a necessary turning of the page for the league, especially considering what they faced at the tail end of 2020 with Utah Royals. I mean, I can't, I, for me being based here, I can't really stress that enough because the reality is, is you're trading out somebody that definitely didn't need to be in the league anymore. And who you're getting in is somebody that can change the complexion of the league for a very, very long time. And not only that, but has a very no nonsense approach to things that need that. If that makes sense, Mm -hmm. there's not going to be, uh, you know, any vague uh, press release type, type, you know, information or stuff that is relayed. There's going to be a hard line drawn in the sand. And I think that's a good thing for the league. Yes. I mean, I, I think that is, and, and this is what we have seen over the course of the past year, right? Like we have analyzed league team statements as opposed to player statements. Like at the further you up an organizational chart, the less powerful it's going to be. But I think what is most interesting is just, you know, asking Steve Malik, do players have the ability to use the NWSL as a platform? Does someone like Naomi Osaka have the ability to use the courage as the platform for her voice now? And him just saying, yeah. Like that's, sometimes it is that simple of just, you are lending your support to these individual voices. And that's, that's, a part of the solution, but I do think that it can't be overlooked as a part of the work that the league and the teams and the players need to put in. Yeah. So no, it's true. And I think if you look at it and we weren't able to get this out of her, but I wonder like, does investing in a team like North Carolina that's located in a, in a pretty, Red state, not a pretty red state, but a red state in comparison to some of where the, you know, the more banner franchises in the league are located. Maybe she thought that she could have a much bigger reach and impact in a place like North Carolina, as opposed to, you know, if she had bought in with, with the thorns, you know, right. I, I, I do think that that probably played a role into this is, is her being able to expand the conversation in a place, as you mentioned, historically, needs a pl- needs a conversation expanded for a lot of people who maybe don't understand the intersectionality of sport and politics. Right. All right. So I think I think those are all the like really major things but one of the other things that just kind of tickled me as we were working with with what she had had said, you know, so she's saying like, okay, 2019 World Cup happens. I kind of check in. I see Alexis Ohanian's tweet about the NWSL being an undervalued league. I start to watch games. I start to do all of these things. One of the things that she said really struck her was the fact that NWSL was pulling bigger television numbers than MLS games. And this is where I was kind of like, people are paying attention to this. Like, people are seeing the potential. I mean, she talks about the potential of the league's 
growth, which I think is really interesting that we are finally starting to get these data points. And yes, there are a lot of factors here, but like they are influencing people's decisions about whether or not to invest in this league. Yeah. The run, the runway is, is much longer for NWSL than, than let's say MLS. I mean, MLS is reaching the point where it's getting a little too crowded and everybody (laughs) is being a little too cramped. Whereas NWSL to Naomi's point and a lot of folks points, if you get the right people involved at varying levels, there's this, this league could go very, very far. You just need to hit, you know, the proper nails on the head. And based on the last two, uh, you know, big time ownership groups or, or folks that have bought in the NWSL is trending in that right direction. Right. I mean, I think it's going to be very interesting to watch Sacramento, you know, now that we do have Sacramento officially confirmed, but in theory, we've also got potentially two more expansion slots to be filled over the next year. You know, obviously we've got the teams coming in for 2022. We know those, but I mean, there's still plenty of talk about, Hey, we could, we could still fill another two potential expansion slots for 2023. Obviously again, Utah's got that uh, Mm -hmm. clause that will, that will be written in, in terms of allowing them to re-enter the league via expansion. But it does seem like the league is having very different conversations than what it was probably having back in the 2013, 2014 days where it was more, okay, how do we get maybe MLS teams to want to add? And now I think that there is real interesting, a, a, a power dynamic that we had not necessarily considered at the start of this league in terms of these independent groups coming in and having a very different approach to the building of women's soccer because it it, we kind of have it's not that we're getting the same types of investment groups over and over again but like we've kind of seen certain models between wsa wps and then the start of nwsl and for so long so much of the conversation was really about does it make sense to throw our lot in (laughs) with the men's league if push comes to shove and there's a financial crisis of some sort are they going to protect the women's league as much as they would protect the men. Um, so I think it is really interesting to watch Angel City come in, Naomi Osaka come in, folks like that, and in terms of shifting what we expect for this league. Yeah, and I, and I told you this yesterday. I think the thing that I found really fascinating was having somebody like Lisa Baird tell you that to her what stands out is, is seeing women invest in other women and not just women supporting other women. And I think, I, I know a lot of other fan bases won't want to hear it, but that Angel City domino that fell, I think will just go so far for this league. And you're seeing the immediate aftermath of how quickly the second domino is and how quickly that's fallen and what comes next. Yeah. All right. Well, I think that's a perfect question to end it on because we don't know. But yeah. I think it is, again, I just think about, being at some of the early, early days NWSL stuff and and the conversation that we're having and not even thinking in 2013, this is the kind of conversation that we would be having. So I think that concept of what is the next domino, that's fun. That's fun yeah. for me personally. Well, well and, it, and I think historically, unfortunately, it used to be what's the next negative domino to fall right. as opposed to like, the conversation is totally shifted yeah. and, and the page has been turned. So it's going to be at, it's going to be really fascinating to see what happens. Yeah. All right, Chris. Well, thank you 
for for coming back on the show again. I'm glad that we got like a good <laughs> a good topic to discuss yes. some fun breaking news. Yeah. Um, I, you know, people, I'm sure if if they are listening to this pod and already follow the athletic, but where where else can they find you? And if you have any other stories that you would like to tease or plug, please feel free. Yeah, I, I um, it's hard to explain. How, how, do, how do I how do I properly phrase this without getting into trouble? Uh, I, I exist at theathletic.com, and 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 I will pop up with a bevy of random story topics, um, some of which are assigned to me, some of which I take upon myself. Um, so yeah, I you know me, I'm not a big self promoter, so yeah, I I, I will just let the uh, the interwebs do all the talking yeah. for me. I will I will vouch for Chris's uh, big read on Becky Hammond though, <laughs> like that that to me as soon as I knew that you were writing that story, I was like, yes, all right, let's go. But I appreciate that. Yeah, all right. Well, thank you, Chris, yeah. for the time, and I personally am just anticipating a very fun day on Twitter yeah. with this one. Yeah, it'll be busy. Yeah. It'll be busy. Yeah. All right. Thank you. Thanks, Meg. Thank you again to Chris for his time. Truly make sure you check out his giant feature on Becky Hammond as well. Chris is absolutely one of the writers at The Athletic who I look to for inspiration when it comes to feature writing, which is not necessarily my forte. It is a great read. Uh, There will be a link in the show notes for this one as well, and you can consider that story my traditional one more thing of the week. I absolutely think that you should read it. All right. Again, the new home for the show is at fulltimepod.com. If you want to share the episode, the show, that is the easiest way to send a link to someone. We have that new trailer for, for 2021. Links to Apple, Spotify, Google, The Athletic. Basically anywhere anyone could potentially want to listen to this podcast. Hopefully it is on that website. Again, make sure that you subscribe so that way you are not ever waiting for a show to hit your feed. You can share the, the show with a friend or two. You know the drill, I say it every week, but your subscriptions, your ratings, and your reviews all help grow this show, along with all of your engagement and retweets and Instagram stories and every other thing that you do to support this podcast about women's soccer, our coverage of women's soccer. As always, I appreciate how above and beyond everyone goes. So again, one more time, if you do want all of our women's soccer content and everything else that The Athletic has to offer... For just $3.99 a month, you can start your new subscription at theathletic.com slash full-time. You can find me on Twitter at It's Meg Linehan. Our podcast producer is Michael Zimmerman. From The Athletic, I'm Meg Linehan, and thank you for listening. Thank you.